The Weekly Dish podcast is presented by Common Ground Minnesota. Food and farming conversations from Minnesota women in agriculture. Learn more at commongroundminnesota.com or follow them on Instagram at commongroundminn. Hey everybody, it's Steph March for Common Ground Minnesota, and I love talking about women in agriculture. The women of Common Ground Minnesota are volunteers who are volu- you know, taking their time to chat with you about what it's like to live on a farm and grow food in Minnesota. Here's some really great news about this group. They have just launched a newsletter that you can basically sign up for at commongroundminnesota.com, and you get the latest you know, events, giveaways, delicious recipes, all sorts of great stories from the farm. And I got to tell you, it's just a really cool thing to get into your inbox every month. And it's it's kind of an, a way in. If you're wondering, like, I don't know what I'm going to ask when I go to Common Ground, Minnesota. Well, this is just an introduction and a way to get you guys to meet the farmers at Common Ground, Minnesota. The Common Ground Minnesota volunteers, remember, their goal is to be a resource for your food and farming questions. Don't forget, check them out on Instagram at Common Ground, M-I-N-N, CommonGroundMinnesota.com. Welcome to the Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie March. I'm Stephanie Hansen. And we are here on this lovely, lovely zero degree Saturday. There are no degrees. There are no degrees outside. There's no weather. It's the January weather that we never got. It is. It kind of so, is. You know, I'm we, fine with it. Yeah, we just have to suck it up. Yeah, I kind of felt weird about the fact that there was zero, zero days in January. Yeah. Like that because, was a little weird. Yes, because normally we're in the Arctic slowdown. I know, and I'm fine with that. Usually that gives you couch uh, permissions. Um, if you will. Ooh, couch permission. <laughs> couch permission. Like this is the actual weekend of couch permissions because, of course, it's going to be not even zero degrees tomorrow. It's going to be under the zeros. And then it's like the Super Bowl. And so, you know, that's yeah. a couch thing anyway. I know. And, you know, I know I only care about the Super Bowl because of the food and the halftime act. Yeah. And the commercials, which I think the commercials maybe be a little one well, well, this year, but whatever. I mean, they're still going to be some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's what the, the, but the food for two is a little like, but I well, see, and this is it for me. And I, we've preached this before for sure that I am very much happy to have a very small Super Bowl set. Cause I don't want you talking during the commercials. Like everybody who is like, Oh, they're watching the game. I don't care about the game. And then, but then for some reason there's those who are and do. And then they were like talking, they put mute on the commercial. I'm like, ah. and you don't want people to, I don't like, like sharing food is one thing. Yeah. But too many hands in the dip oh, is I don't a have, little gross. You know what's really funny is I don't have any problems with any of that. I mean, literally in, from the before, I didn't have any problems with it. I'm, I mean, I'm obviously a little bit more wary of it well, now. And but, I eat your food, and yeah. you would eat mine. Uh-huh. I, I do remember being with John Garland, uh, Nancy No, and Jess Fleming once at Travail, and all of us had like these snacks in front of us. And it was their food, and I had not ordered anything. Yeah. But yet I just came by and was and like, you just oh, were... can I eat some of this? Can I eat some of that? Hi. And I got to John Garland, and he's like, are you coming to eat my food now, too? I was like, yep. Yep. Can I? Can he I? He goes, well, yeah, I don't feel like I can say no, because everybody else let you. But it was sort of funny, because we're like friendly journalists type media folk <laughs> friendly, but not like friend friends. 
And I was just going to reach down and, you know. Well, because normally there's, I mean, and I will say in your defense, there is a thing of, you know, they, they, they tend to put out when we're at a media event, they put out these platters thinking, right. you know, like people will just graze. And we normally have grazed in our past lives. We'll never we just don't even again. have media events anymore. So it doesn't matter. No, there it's was fine. one this week and I had to say no. Oh, really? It's like, oh, I'm sorry. I can't come. Yeah. But I'd want to come. I'm coming in my heart. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. It's a weird thing. It was the debut of Justin's show. Oh, yeah. They were having a premiere party. Yep. And- nope. I went earlier that day and hung out with him. Um, Let me tell you what, though. There is a... Uh, we have a question up on the Facebook page about what is your must-have Super Bowl couch snacker. And we are going to talk today about, you're going to talk about uh, boxes, I think, and ordering things. And then later in the show, I'm going to talk about recipes. I think we have that set up. We got some stuff. We got stuff about for for, uh, Super Bowl stuff. We are also going to talk about some Valentine's Day stuff, which is gross. And... (laughs) (laughs) Well, there is Galentine's. You guys would not appreciate me if I didn't do that every year. Um, gross. Uh, gross. And but I am excited to talk to Lauren McGinty also in this hour, where she's from the Craft Council Beverage, uh, you know. And we're going to talk a little bit about the beverage laws in Minnesota. Yeah, you were getting a lot of love about your beverage post. Well, I am just hoping that we can make something go forward yeah, no. and modernize this house up in here. Uh, okay, but before we get to all of that good stuff, let's hear what it, did you have anything good to eat this week? Oh, Jeet? Uh yes. <laughs> I did. Is it about saving it for your segment? Well, okay, here's my funny. I told you when I came in, I'm like, I had a real self revelation this morning. Actually, I had it last night. Yeah. And I was like, I'm kind of gross. And the only person that's really going to appreciate this is Stephanie. Is this going to be a gross story? No, no, no. Okay. I'm just like, I was okay. like, wow. Okay, so I am going to talk about this a little bit, but I'll just talk about it now. So I decided well i decided to first of all they started carrying buffalo at fresh time okay and i like buffalo like i like buffalo chili i like a good buffalo burger but i've had it in the freezer for a bit and i was like oh maybe i'll just make some meatballs Mm -hmm. and i wanted to make hummus because i also had a bunch of chickpeas and i had this tahini that has been in the back of the refrigerator forever yeah because that's the kind of thing that's what happens it's just you buy a big jar of it and you're like oh so Mm. i was like i'll make some hummus i'll serve the meatballs on the hummus because, of course, this is what I do. I think about every day, what are Kurt and I going to eat? And I didn't have any pitas. But I have the sourdough starter that stares at me every day because yeah. you have to keep feeding it or making feeding, it. Is it just sourdough you have to feed or is it everything you have to feed? Starters. The starters you have to yeah, feed. Start, and you can put I mean. them in the refrigerator to slow down. Yeah. But it's on the counter and it's been there now for five days. So you kind of need to use it or you keep feeding it and then it gets bigger than your container. Got it. So I was like, I wonder if I could make sourdough pita. Oh, you sure can. Uh huh. <clears throat> you can make. I don't. Can't you make sourdough? I mean, apparently like, you can. You Stephanie, can, it's anything. Of I don't course. know why. It's just a know. natural yeast. That's right. You know, it's just a wild yeast bread. That's right. So I look up non. How to make non with your sourdough starter? So I was like, yes, I'm gonna do that. So I get all my stuff ready. I go and I went to work for like half a day. Came back, made all the stuff. And you would have thought I was Julia Child. Like, I get so proud of myself. And I think I'm the only... Were you just, like, puffing up and peacocking around the kitchen? And I think I'm, like, the only person that's ever successfully made naan in the history of life. I know. Even though you looked up a recipe for it. Of course I did. Because I need instructions. I don't just know how to do this. Right. And then Kurt was like, well, maybe you should do it on the griddle. Because we have a new... uh, I bought a new house that has a stove that has a griddle in the middle that I've never used. So I get the griddle 
And I try it and they don't even work. It's like it can't get hot enough. Oh. So then I'm like, I'm just going back to my trusty, rusty cast iron. Cause sure. that's sure. And they get beautiful and black. And so I make this whole spread of these meatballs and this hummus and the naan. And I use my preserved lemons and I'm just looking at this spread and I'm like, man, I got it. <laughs> and I'm just like, it so... was a win. It was a personal win. And I felt and so you proud felt of myself. You, and if like, you could have done a victory lap, you would have. Yeah. And like, I can cook. And I just I was like, cook. I thought you had be... a food radio show for a decade. Well, and it's like the classic imposter syndrome, right? True, true. So, and I've been struggling with the imposter syndrome lately, like more than. Yes. And okay. here's why. Okay. I did. Is this your revelation or the non was the revelation? The non was a revelation, okay. but this is coming into the this next is, revelation. Okay. And this is where it, you start to synthesize the revelation. Because it all comes together. Okay. Because I'm struggling with the imposter syndrome yep. this whole week mm-hmm. because Stephanie. I am writing a cookbook. I sipped right as you said that, so I wasn't able to really fully react. What do you mean? Did you get the contract? I have the contract coming. Okay. I got the approval. Well done. There was a meeting. I'm going to be writing a cookbook. And this whole week, I was like, I'm not a cookbook writer. Like, I'm just a regular person. How can I write a cookbook? And then I made this naan and this recipe, and I, like, changed the recipe up so it could be my own. I know. That's, I the, like, that's the big fear right now. I mean, yeah. I'm not putting and that I into already, you. I'm just saying. Ugh. And you feel, I feel like an imposter because you're the writer. Stephanie Meyer's the writer. Joy Summer, like, everyone's the writer, and I've always just been the home cook person. And this book will be a real reflection of, it's a cabin cookbook, right? So it will be my lane. It yeah. will be me. But I was re- I've was i been really struggling with this idea of, I don't can I do this? I don't know if I could do this. And then I, like, made the naan, and I made the meatballs, and I made the hummus from scratch, and I was like... You I can, can do, do this. You just need to find you need to find the confidence yeah. of the and it, that comes exactly from exactly. I'm so proud that that is a place where it came from was your kitchen moment. Yeah. It's not like you had to talk yourself into anything. You proved it to yourself. And, and just that's like, the reality. And all this energy I'm wasting on thinking I can't do something. Yeah, There's a lot of things that. I didn't I shouldn't be able to do that. I've just done. There are zero shoulds. Can we be clear with that? There are zero shoulds. There are That's zero the degrees today, right there. and there are zero, zero shoulds. shoulds. Zero shoulds. There just is. It zero just, shoulds in the blanket fifties, man. It, it just is. Yeah. So I when you say myself. blanket fifties, I think of snuggies. Like I think of a blanket, not a blank. It. So every time you've said that to me, like I have to, I immediately picture some dude in a snuggie. I'm going to so change it to the rocket fifties. How about we just say the F at 50s? Because that feels like swear words and we're very dangerously close. But to isn't that what it's supposed to be when yes. you say blank it? Yes. Okay. But so if I say rocket, then you won't think blanket. No, I'll think cheesy old dudes <laughs> rocking to rocking or Robin. arugula. Because <laughs> that's what they call it in Italy. Do, what do they call it? Rocket. Oh, arugula. Yeah. 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 Donna hate us too. So that's okay. A long there's how we bring it all the way around to saying congratulations. You have a cookbook, a cook, and but she I'm not going to give none. you the congratulations until you get it done. Oh, hello. Because it is a journey, my people. Next December, friends. Okay, that's all right. my deadline. I love it. We're gonna we're gonna support you and cheer you the whole way. Um, okay, we're gonna take a quick break, you guys. When we come back, we are gonna immediately talk about these Super Bowl wings, which someone has already requested a recipe for. <laughs> Good thing I have one. Literally, someone was like, oh, I saw the wings, you know, that Hanson did. And she's like, where's the recipe? I'm like, oh, my God, give us five minutes. We are going to get it up there. All right, people. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071, brought to you by Hornitos.
Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen for The Weekly Dish, and you may remember that I sold my town home in St. Paul and moved to Golden Valley. I'm loving my new house, and I give all the credit to Carrie Auxt and Sue Durfee from Lakes Area Realty. You guys, they were so responsive and easy to work with. We made offers on three homes until we found the right one, and the market moved so fast, and Sue and Carrie were straightforward and very respectful when I was working with them. If Kurt and I would have different opinions, and you know we did, they would inject what they thought and would work with both of us to find the best house that would meet both of our needs. Carrie and Sue and Lakes Area Realty are not a large team, but that's what I wanted. I wanted personal service. Each time you go through a home, you're going to deal with either Carrie or Sue directly. Sue Durfee has over 20 years in real estate and has been voted best super agent by Minneapolis-St. Paul Magazine many times, and I've known Carrie Elks personally for many years. Carrie has great judgment and is great about getting back to you quickly and following through on questions you might have, because buying a house is a big purchase, and who you buy it with really can matter. So find Carrie Elks, C-A-R-R-I-E, and Sue Durfee at Carrie and Sue.com if you're buying or selling a house. That's Carrie and Sue at Carrie and Sue.com from Lakes Area Realty. I'm just singing along with Gabby Barrett and thinking about cheating songs and how this is really one that goes right in the lexicon. Oh, does it? Yeah, it's this is a good cheating song. Okay. It's about like how sad she is that he cheated, but then like I hope he cheats on you too because the second lady, yeah, it's a very revengeful song. I love it. Okay. Um, I'm going to pass. <laughs> we've been watching uh, this show called Rake that's an Australian lawyer show, but it's kind of funny. It's a drama and it's on uh, Netflix. And if you want to watch it, it's we like it a lot. And this couple is getting divorced and they're having one of those sort of long drawn out divorces where they didn't really like each other, but they love each other, but they're still friends and they have kids and then they're having affairs, but they're trying to figure it out. And it's just kind of, it's very messy. Wow. And at the end, they sort of are just like, we are friends, but we don't love each other anymore. And we can be better if we're civil and we take care of our kids and they hug it out. And Kurt looks at me and he goes, yeah, that's how you're going to be if like we ever got divorced. And I was like, nope, nope. No, I'm oh, not. God, and he was zero. laughing. He goes, oh, yeah, no, you're going to be the one who's starting my car on fire. Yeah. I'm like, yes, that's me. That's it. So wow. now you know who you're dealing with. Okay. Okay, speaking of, Kurt, and at home, I, again, had this whole week of trying to not be a fraud in the cooking space. And wings are one of my favorite things. And I love wings. And I have uh, favorite wings in the Twin Cities. Number one on my favorite wing list is uh, the Monte Carlo, Beijing Totally. Totally. Dry rubbed wings, which is also, I think, Stephanie's. Is it fair to say it's your favorite, too? Yes, 100%. And the funny thing about those is John Ramarsic made that wing recipe or found that wing recipe because he didn't like getting wing fingers, like the wet, soggy fingers. Yeah. Which makes total sense. And that's probably why I like dry wings, because I like dipping wings, but I don't like them all like... On your hands, I either. just don't like it's the slippery part of it all. Yes, that's my big weird thing is, and especially when you get the whole wing in a sauce. I know we've talked about this before. And trying to get the when whole thing in your face. When you get the whole wing, and you have to, because you, if you get a whole wing, you have to manhandle it in order to eat it. You cut you the gotta, joint. Yeah, you know, do the things, and it's like every it just slips out. It's like that just makes me crazy. Yeah, wing outfit ruined. Yeah. Um, do you remember the first Runyon's wing you had? Um, yeah, totally. I because that was like 1984. Pat Runyon. Brought that recipe from apparently Buffalo, New York. Oh, it's, right. And it was the first Minnesota Buffalo wing that was, was here. It? Yeah, it was. So they still are there. They're open. They're going to be, both of these places are open for Super Bowl to do wing orders all day long. Runyon's has a small, medium, and a large size. Yeah. And it's just the quintessential New York Buffalo wing. It's it great. Is. The sauce is great. It's so standard. It yep. just sets the bar, and that's great. So that's the second wing. 
And then the third wings that I like, I like red cow's wings. I like that they have a great dry rub wing with a little lemon zest on it. So you get that lemony flavor. They've also got a Japanese sticky wing that really does it for me. And they make their own blue cheese and their own ranch. So those wings are good. And they have the wing box. And I think they're not selling boxes right now because I think they took pre-orders. But you can dine in and have these wings or you can do a takeout order of just the wings, not the big box. Right. Okay. So that's all cool. I did get a good wing, uh, just to shout out, because I haven't had wings Please. in a place in a long time. But I did get a good uh, wing from the Gnome. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. I'm just thinking of all the places that like, because, you know, it is so hard if you get a bad wing and you're like, "Er." but if you get a good crispy dry rub one, I mean, spectacular. So it was really good. Lat 14 is sort of that whole different for me. Like, I don't, it's weird because I think they have some of the best wings in the city, but I don't think of them as like Super Bowl wings. In the same category. Yeah. Because they're these Thai basil wings and they're crispy and they're so good. But like, it's different. I don't know why. What about Wendy's House of Soul? I like Wendy's too. Because they've got got a whole wing. She's got a crispy whole wing. And I like that. And they're not as crispy to me, but I like them. And then I also love. Um, Doolittle's has a smoked wing. Oh, you know who used to have that, that was Hazelwood. Really they had a grilled wing. Yeah, that's what. Uh, ha- uh, not Hazelwood. What did I just say? Doolittle's. You said Doolittle's. Yeah. I said Hazelwood. Yeah, Doolittle's and Red Rabbit has that smoked grilled wing too. Do they really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that because yeah. that was a thing that I was like, uh, I got it. The very first time I ever got, I'm like, well, it looks a little, you know, like it kind can of look like a pale flaccid. and weird. Yes, and you're like, it looks a little wobbly, and it was delicious. And I loved it. When I order those in a restaurant, I ask them to like make sure that I get the well done grilled one. You know, like I don't. You want a little burn? I want to see the char marks on there. Like I don't want it just to be that you threw it on the grill for just a second. Right. Because uh, they're smoked. So they're cooked through, but I want well, it like. they're grilled. Yeah. I mean, beyond smoking takes a lot longer than actual grill. You so know what I mean? They smoke them and then they grill them. Do they? Mm-hmm. At Doolittle's? Yes. Okay. And I think they do them like that at um, Red Rabbit, too, if I'm... So, anyway. Anyway. Lots of great wings in the Twin Cities. Totally great wings. But, Also, I have to shout out Shamrocks, too. I have to shout out Shamrocks. Oh, heck yes. I mean, we could literally just... Minnesota Wild Wing there. I can't even believe I didn't think about that in my roundup, because that's also a high on my list of faves. Well, and they have the jumbo wings. Like, if you go and you get, like, the teeny tiny little wingies, and you're like, this is just bumming me out. I need something meatier, bigger. Colossal wings, they call them. Yeah. They are the biggest and the best in the city in that way. And they have boneless, Uh and they have a a vegan option. The boneless thing, here's the thing. I know I don't do boneless either. I don't mind it. It's just it just feels like you're just chicky tending and then that, just like call it chicky tendies. Yeah. Just call it chicky tendies. Yeah. Those like, aren't wings. That's Those not are wings. Just like I feel nuggets. like you need a little bit of the bone to sort of, you know, appreciate it. Although the grossest experience in the world will be when you're like watching someone that can do, I, do the not whole watch bone anyone where they stick it all. The they take a flat, they put the whole thing in their mouth and they take it out of their mouth and all that's, that's left clean. is the two bones. Grosses me out. I think belief. you have to do the twist and pull so that you get the hinge. On yeah, the, on and you the don't flat. want that little fatty Nubby. tendon that's on the joint. And are you only wing only flats or drummies? Are you a mix? How do you feel about that? I prefer flats, prefer but flats. I will eat the drummy. But I hate that little tendon that's on the drummy. <laughs> you want to say tendon again? I moved us right away from it. and You just brought us right back to it. I did. Yeah, and I have to hurry because I'm running out of time okay, for sorry, my sorry, segment. Sorry. But. I wanted to have crispy wings at home, so I decided right. to make an oven-baked wing. And you guys, I've perfected it. You toss the wings with spice. I used Heather Dirty Goodness, censored a little bit, and I used 
uh, here's the deal, Spice Company's Wing Blend. And so I had like spice, and I have this recipe on stephaniesdish.com, so you can find it there. And it's flour, spice, shake them up in a bag, put them in the refrigerator for an hour. Okay, wait, and wait, wait, wait. In, okay, so put them you all in. your wing. Yep. Shake. Put them in the refrigerator it's a for shake an and hour bake? on a pan. Oh, so, so they're all drying out individually. So take them out of the flour. That's correct. Okay. In the refrigerator for an hour. Take them out. 400 degree oven. Put them in there for 45 minutes. Yeah. While they're in there. Or no, excuse me. I missed a step. Before you put them in the oven, you make your sauce. And your sauce is basically something wet and a stick of butter. So for buffalo, you have a half a cup of buffalo sauce and a stick of butter. For Asian wings, I used ketchup and soy sauce and gochujang. <laughs> you could use K-Mama sauce. Yeah. But so but you have to have a stick of butter in it? I did. Okay. And then you dip your floured wing into the sauce, lay oh. it back on the tray. Okay. So and these put are it in saucy the oven wings. For 400 degrees. No. They're saucy, but they're not like wet because now they're in the oven for 400 degrees. And that combination of the flour that's dried out the wing and the sauce is now giving you a caramelized, sugary... So it's like a sticky wing. But it's not. <laughs> I know what you're saying, and it's Because I can't do those sticky wings either, because then you're doing this it's on your not. teeth, right? It's not, because the cooking for 400, you know, really, and then you broil for the last two minutes. Okay. Flip them and broil. Okay. And this is all on stephaniesdish.com. You can find it. I also have a video... On you my did a video. Instagram page, on my Instagram TV, there's a video. On my post, there's a video. Okay. Yep. And we can continue talking about these next They're hour, so you guys. Good. We have so much more Super Bowl snacking. I've done them three times. To chat. I've eaten so many wings. In I the might last have week. a couple of wing tech questions for you, Beth. Great. Okay, so we'll talk about that in an hour. We'll be right. I want to talk. What, what we're going to talk about today, you guys, is something really cool. Um, you guys have all known that we have had. Uh, you know, think about how long it took us to get. Sunday sales, right? Yeah, We're exactly. talking about the alcohol and beverage laws in the twins or in the state, really. And, you know, think of how long it took us to get Sunday We're sales. We're Puritans. Huh? We're Puritans it is in a, Minnesota. It we is can't a buy Puritanical. a car on Sunday. Isn't that the weirdest thing? It's so weird. That you can't buy a car. But here's the thing about not buying a car. Because you're supposed to go to church instead. It's about, it is like this weird governmental mandated day of rest. For church. For church. Yep. And that's a weird, when you think about business and you think about what the government is supposed to do to help and allow and to Separation mandate. of church and state. But it's weird to say that, and it's weirder still to say that you, that if someone wants to, they can't. Like a car salesman can't be like, well, I want to open up. You yep. can't. Liquor stores open on Sundays. That was a choice. You want to be open, open. If you don't, don't. Yeah. But so, and, and I'll tell you that the car people, the ones that I've talked to are like, no, no, we don't want it. I know. That's kind of how some liquor stores were too. That's what's driving this. And I think with liquor, it's a little bit, you know, I mean, it's a, there's a little bit more business, I think. But I mean, with car salesmen, they're like, we just want to, um, it's great to have the day off. <laughs> so I understand that. And, you know, so that's fine. But these are all, you know, categorized under blue laws, right? So blue laws are, this is what we're talking about. These sort of puritanical old ways of dealing with things. And, um, the, oh, I think, is that well, our? I was going to say, could be my daughter, <laughs> you know. No. Do we have her? Oh, nope, not yet. Okay. Um, let's see. Is she, okay. Well, here's what's happening. We're trying to get Lauren on the line. Lauren is the executive uh, director of the Minnesota Craft Brewers Guild. And so we want to talk to her today because there's a new council. So do you want to talk about Super Bowl snacking here? And then we can try to get Lauren on uh, for a different segment. No. Okay. You do you. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, because I have, because we can talk about this anyway. And sure. then we have way other things. Um, 
here's the situation. We have been trying, obviously, to pass to go cocktails for restaurants to give yes. them a leg up, right? And to give them something of uh, a boost during this time during the pandemic because it's if we're they're already they were given the the temporary pass to sell beer and wine with your takeout order, and you know the fear has always been that they're going to hurt the mom and pop liquor stores, and of course. That didn't happen, right? I mean, clearly there has been a boom in liquor store sales, and they've been just fine. So not only that, that's one of the issues, but then the other issue, the other big issue I'd really say was the breweries, right? Because they're very frustrated by the what's called the growler cap, and they have a whole uh, system, and the distilleries too, about how much they can sell per person per day from their actual, you know, the place where they make from their distilleries or their breweries. And so there's a weird idea of, like, you can do this, but you can't really do this. Because we don't want to compete with liquor store sales. Right. And again, we've seen that liquor store sales have just been booming during this time. And they're fine. And they're fine. And... So here's the thing. Here's the thing. What happened with the to go cocktail sales, which is getting a lot of push right now, is um, that they there was all these rumors in the state that it was going to pass this last session. And then it got kiboshed because of a last minute craft beer amendment. And so then it becomes all this thing like, what? Why is it? It feels like we're competing against each other. It feels like the breweries are fighting against the distilleries and they didn't want to. But everybody wants the same thing, which is simply this to really view the craft beverage industry in a modern way as a contributor to our economy. So what has happened is Lauren and uh, and a bunch of people have come together to form the Minnesota Craft Beverage Council. This is wineries, cideries, breweries, distilleries, and here's a shocker, they have support from some liquor stores. And this is where I think we're getting into a place where they can honestly talk about the benefits of what this means on a whole like not just saying give me my booze i want my booze you know with my takeout order but how do we support this industry that is a contributor to our economy as a state well and if you think about like i'll I'll just use um i'll use uh any milk and honey cider i found out about milk and honey cider from the cidery yeah like someone went to the apple orchard they had this great cider then I was at Certix and Melissa Certix was like, here, have you ever tried this great cider? It's local. Yeah. I see milk and honey cider. I'm like, oh, I heard this is a great orchard, but it's further away than I would normally go. Yeah, I'd like a four pack of that, please. Right. It's one of my favorite ciders. Right. I would never have found that cider had I not had that pull through at liquor store. But why like Surly Beer? Like I can go to the Surly Brewery and enjoy my experience and grab a growler or two. And then the next time I'm in... You know, the local liquor store, if I want a six pack of Surly, because I know it's a local beer and I know they make good beer because I've been to the brewery. Right. This is a symbiotic relationship. No. Why do I buy Tattersall? Because I've sat at the Tattersall bar. I've seen them. I've talked to them about how they make their product. When I go and I buy my old fashioned, I know that Heather Manley is, you know, like there's a whole list of why I support these local people. And it's not an either or. No. And if you consider the takeout cocktail situation where they're like, well, it's it's that that transaction has nothing to do with liquor stores. If you're getting a cocktail at the with your takeout order, that is the same thing that was if you had been sitting there and ordering a drink from the bartender. The the liquor store never had any. There is no inference. There is no you know, it's the same transaction as that. It's just put at home, you Can know, I tell taking you, it and putting it at home. I had this conversation with a friend and her husband. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, but it seems wrong to sell liquor in a in an environment. And then like you get in your car. And I was like, how is having how is that a different? cocktail that's sealed? Yeah. That's maybe in a mason jar or in a plastic sealed or even in a can. 
How is that any different than you having your glass of wine or your six pack? You could still open that and drive. Yeah. Like it's no different. That's the weird part where they're like, where they're like the access to the, to the mixed drink. And I'm like, do you not think that someone who was going to do that anyway, wouldn't like pop that wine or, or that, that beer, beer and stick it in a koozie? I, that's exactly what I thought. I don't Steph. understand I'm like, this that. Is no different. No difference. Zero difference. Um, one of the other things that I love about this is they're co- So what they're doing is they're putting out legislation. They're trying to meet with legislators this week or next week. And they're putting it up as the drink local economic recovery package. And this is important because, and I love what Lauren said. She said, we are not asking the government for more money. Like, think about how often we've been hearing we need support. We need, you know, we need money. We need, you know. They want access. They want, they're just asking to be able to help themselves. They're saying we want to contribute to the economic recovery. And that can happen because growth creates growth. And, you know, they're coming together, you know, as this, you know, council. And they want to think about the ways that it has the greatest impact on these businesses that can then have the greatest impact on the economy. There are over 6,000 people employed by craft beverage makers in the state. And think that about weird that. law where the more successful you are as a brewery, I, I don't, you can't sell yes. like your own growlers. And I get that they're trying to protect mom and pop shops, but this is why I love. And then I don't know if you read this in the thing that I said, I posted, but John Helper of Top 10 Liquors, who is a local guy. And, you know, Top 10 Liquors is, I think, one of the really great independently owned local uh, Twin Cities, you know, liquor stores. And, uh, you know, and it's a chain. And so he's got like 12 locations around. Um, and he said this, and I thought this was really wonderful. He said, we, d- we deeply value our relationships with local craft brewers. Their continued success during and after the pandemic is important as a partner and as a Minnesota-owned business. The success of these local businesses is a priority for us. We want to work to help them succeed, including supporting their efforts to sell their own product to their customers, either as cans or growlers or otherwise. The Minnesota craft brew scene is more vibrant when we all work together and support each other. Think about your liquor store 15 years ago and what it looked like. Right. And I remember, because I've worked with the Certix family on and off, and I remember when all these craft beers started coming in and they had to get an extra beer cooler. Then they had to get another extra beer cooler. Then the cider category exploded. Now they've got, you know, sake that's exploding. Yeah. All of that liquor store's goodness and joy and love has come through the explosion of the craft industry in the Midwest. Think about it. And every liquor store will tell you that. Yeah. You know, so it's just, it's liquor stores are better. They're more interesting. They're, I mean, it's just, it's because of all this craft that's happened. It's not because there's another bottle of Bombay gin. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And the way that Minnesota is so provincial in this own way that we love, we, I mean, our entire show is based on celebrating the local makers and everything else that that is a really great, beautiful thing to cultivate. And if they were doing it in the right way is they would say, yes, make sure these people are here and growing and making the product that I get to sell with them. And you know what else too, what I just said, I'm going to take back because. If you're like a, a national liquor purveyor, there's been pressure on you to diversify your product line, to make sure that you're taking your craft and your skill to the next level, whether it's your packaging or product offshoots or craft cocktailing yes. with your product. Yes. It's it's pushed the whole industry up into a finer level of appreciation and product and- Quality. quality. And think about it this way, too. I mean, my God, wasn't it two years ago, last year, two years ago, the Super Bowl ad that was like sort of, you know, Budweiser taking, you know, a shot at craft brewing and stuff. Like if it's that if it's enough to make the giant 
you know, people stand up and take notice. Think about what that actually means as a business opportunity. Think about what that means of its staying power and the grassroots, you know, abilities of it. And that's something we should support. And these breweries, how they've supported restaurants and they were making hand sanitizer when in the state of Minnesota, you couldn't get a bottle of hand sanitizer to save your life. No. It's you know, amazing. And they're, um, yeah, so I could just go on and here's, on. I know. And so here's what we want to do. And this is where they, they basically, they need to get in front of lawmakers. And Lauren told me that they have to get in the room. Like a lot of this has been like, you know, so-and-so said this and this is over here. They need to get into committee and they need to start the conversation. Um, and then, so what they need to see from us is overwhelming support. So sign the petitions that you see. And call. Call your representative. You'd be surprised what your calls do, yeah. people. And tell them, just say, you know what? I don't know what you're doing, but I want you to support this bill. I want you to support our local industries. And I want you to support Minnesota makers. Just do this one thing. Let's go. So that's what the time is now, you guys. And so we're gonna. I'm gonna put up the blog post, the link to the blog post, and uh, and hopefully we can move the. Hopefully we can come into the modern era with craft beverages and support our communities. And yeah, makers. these makers are doing great work. They're making incredibly innovative, spectacular products. Yeah. Why can't we have better access to Let's them? Let's do it. Helps everyone. Um, we're going to take a quick break. You guys, when we come back, it is the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. 651-641-1071. If you want to weigh in, if you want to talk us, about your wings, do you, you want to talk wings? about boiling? That's do you want to talk about your air fryers, people? Because I know you got oh feelings my God, about you just the invited air fryer. The air fryer discussion. We'll be right back. Oh, if you can I'll send us the question. Yeah, if you can, yeah, right, find Hope the question. Will, yeah, Hope. Hope can take the call. And then she'll tell us the question, we'll answer it. Okay. Meantime, let me just explain a little bit on the Parmesan situation. Please, Since, do you course, know about the Parmesan shortage? Well, here's the deal. I was about to get all pontificating about the fact that we, we all <laughs> Really? Like yeah, Here's a shock. Wait. <laughs> Did someone Facts. pull up a soapbox? <laughs> um, let me just say, everyone loves to talk about the chicken wing shortage and the, I mean, like, are you just are you stunned that we haven't had the national chicken wing shortage headline? Well, and then did you see the avocado surplus? Like, what is that? This listen, is, this we is are in the upside news. down because there's like an avocado surplus because it's been a great growing season. And here's the other thing: Hilarious. is people were like, "Don't talk about avocado," you know, like too much partying for the Super Bowl super spreaders events. And it's like, no, this is this is just where there's a lot of stuff. I mean, there's a lot of avocados to be sold right now. I love it. So eat them. The avocados. Parmesan situation. Is, uh, by the way, is that uh, back in April of 2020, cheesemakers were feeling the enormous loss of retail and food service business, of course. Um, And then came last summer's milk shortage. I guess I would go if you're going high heat. I would say, you know, a vegetable. Yeah. Do like a vegetable oil. I mean, I use safflower oil, which I buy. Oh, sunflower oil is great. Yeah. Sunflower is too. Safflower Mm -hmm. is really great as well. Coconut oil. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. But that that has a flavor. It does. If you're certain things yeah but if you're in a pinch i use it sometimes right okay so that's that's what we got annie hopefully that is uh the question <laughs> if you're going high heat you know something that doesn't have something that has a high smoke point is the bigger thing for that i think i just want you to know the non-shortbreads or the non-breads that i made that i was such a miracle worker i didn't even use oil i just threw the dough flat rolled it out right into the cast iron skillet that mine are always pretty seasoned because i use them a lot yeah but i didn't use oil at all really uh-uh wow so they didn't fry. They just blackened. They just blackened. Um, okay. So here we do have a question from sure. um, from the things that says, she was wondering if you have a good resource for knowing how long foods are safe to eat after opening. Um, I sent her a link. You did. Okay. Yeah, I have a bad, she said she has a bad sniffer. And I know that that's a thing that so people are sometimes feel like if they've got, you know, some, they can't necessarily smell it. 
Um, they're wondering about viscosity and looks, and she's wondering about a jar of sauerkraut that she knows she opened last March to make Rubens. I know things with vinegar last longer. A year? I'm guessing your other listeners would like to know. I would eat sauerkraut forever. Yeah, me too. Like eight years, I'd still eat it. Yeah, like it's in fermenting. miso, any fermented you mm-hmm. know, miso paste, like that can go for a year in my fridge. I scoop it out. Yeah. For a lot of people with the coronavirus, I've lost their smell. My husband can't smell, so this is a real thing. Like, Does he have? No, but he's always no, had the No, he smell hasn't been able say. to smell for a while. But so I sent her a, a, a sheet because mm-hmm. if you can't trust your nose. Right. But, you know, I scrape the mold off of yogurt. I guess I cut the mold off of cheese. Yeah, I think that there's something about like if you and if you can't, if you if you take a tiny taste of something to see if it's wrong, it's not going to kill you if it is wrong. Right. You know, most of you're going to have is like this tastes off and then you just don't use it. Haven't you ever like just had a big swig of milk and it's sour? Not milk, but I've done that <sighs> with. Something and here's the thing with sour milk too. It's basically like sour cream. It's buttermilk, and so then I use it anyway because it's like if I'm using it in a thing. But I don't drink milk. Someone said avocado oil has a 500 degree smoke point. I don't know if I even believe that. I think it does, and it's okay, fine. But isn't like avocado oil has a real taste? I don't know if I've ever used avocado. I use it in a salad dressing sometimes. But Using if you flavored heat it up. oils and salad dressings, if you're making vinaigrettes, is a nice way to use them. Yeah. But I, I, I actually, of all the oils, avocado oil would be the last I would use to heat up my pan. But maybe that's just me. Um, I'm no it expert. does. They do tend to, as soon as you heat them up, too, they thin their flavors out a lot. Like if you're using it as a, as a, a, flavor, a flavor addition, agent. if you're using it raw as mm-hmm. a, you know, in your salad dressing versus if you cook with it, I find that sesame oil is that way too. Like when we put sesame oil in our ramen, it has that flavor. And yet when I cook with it, if I'm doing stir fry with it or something, then it's a lot less prominent friends i think this is a future show segment i think so too this is a good one one also what does smoke point mean for a lot of people like they don't you know like and that of course is the point at which it starts to smoke but you want to have a oil that is you know easy you want to have it so that it doesn't stink up your house obviously you know with like it gets too hot but also um you know so that it doesn't burn basically whatever you're trying to cook i think future segment friends future segment Um, there it is. Um, oh, the what? Phil, Phil, Phil. Will you almost finish the Parmesan story? Oh God, Phil. So, what is All the right. moral of the Parmesan story? So, the moral of the Parmesan story. You're right. I'm sorry. I did. I I stopped for Annie's question because I got there was like all the ghosting talking on the thing. Basically, prices are spiking and and dipping all over the place. And you're gonna they're gonna basically the cost of producing Parmesan uh, is gonna ha- has gone up. Like 40 to 60 percent, which means that it's going to be a higher cost. It's not so much a shortage as it is going to be the fact that whatever is out there is going to it's going to be more expensive. Welcome to food. I know. Have you noticed your grocery bills have gone up like 25 percent in yeah. the last year? Because I have. Yeah. Everything it's, is expensive. It's going to go up by like, you know, I mean, they're saying starting around April 2021, the price of Parmesan will go up by a buck 50 to two bucks a pound. And about t- 70 to 75 cents for a wedge. That's not super significant, but I think when you think about maybe also of something that is higher price, they're maybe going to order less of it. Yep. You know, and so that would mean that it would, it might be harder to find. Will that mean like, cause there's other parms that aren't parm? Well, there is, right. No, I think this is about, uh, well, now that you're saying this, um, and no, and they're talking Parmesan, like not Parmigiano Reggiano, right. which is specifically from Italy. We're talking about this is even the Wisconsin cheese plant, like okay. the Belgioso right. stuff. So, so that's Sartori. what's interesting. 
We'll see. Sartori, right? Yeah, they Wisconsin make has some good, really good Parmesan, you know. Parmesan. Which is, which is not Parmesan or Reggiano. <laughs> We're just going to call it Parmesan. Parmesan, I know. And that's a big thing, I think, especially when you're going forward. By the way, I don't know if you saw this, but the Bucatini story has continued. And I put a link up on our page because basically Rachel, the writer, got in touch with DeCheco Pasta and it's a... There's a whole thing. Okay. It's, it's subterfuge and interesting, but you should read it. It's over on our Facebook page. All right, you guys, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back with that second hour and it's going to be so good.